Amen. Love that, love that energy this morning. Good job waking us up. So glad that you're here. Last weekend, I was uh, north of Knoxville, Tennessee, speaking at a, a retreat uh, for a church. They do a church-wide retreat about an hour north of Knoxville. And I got there early, and so before I was to speak, I was just meeting different people and shaking people's hands, you know, what the preacher's supposed to do. And uh, I, I met this uh, one woman, she just sort of passing by, and I met her, and she introduced herself, and then she just sort of made an offhanded comment. She said, I love baseball. And, and I said to her, I said, well, I'm not really into it, but that's nice, you know. And so I just walked on sort of wondering, what was this comment about loving baseball? Well, about two hours later, she came up to me. She said, I am so embarrassed by what I said to you. I, you know, I, I love baseball, she said. I really thought you were Buddy Bell, the baseball player. Show the picture up there. All right. that that. You know, I can understand her confusing two great athletes, but um, he's got blonde hair. And she was so embarrassed. Like, I, I just, I, I can't believe I said that. I can remember, actually, when he played for the Texas Rangers a long, long time ago. I sort of kept up with his career because of the name. And uh, I went to uh, Texas to speak at a youth rally and disappointed some kids very, very much. So, so sort of confusing there. And guys, here, here's our point of our message today. That sounds so unbelievable that someone could confuse me with him. But today what I'm saying to you is what may seem even more unbelievable is that someone could confuse us with Jesus. And that's really what we're going to talk about today. Is that we are the body of Christ. And what's supposed to happen sounds so unbelievable that someone is supposed to encounter us and someone's supposed to say, Hey, I like Jesus. You remind me of Jesus. We're going to be looking in the book of Ephesians because the book of Ephesians is the, is the book where Paul uses this, this picture of the body uh, being the church more than any other place. And, and the highlight verse to me is Ephesians 1 verse 23. Listen to this. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. We are to be his body. He is to fill us. And then we are to fill the world with his presence. So we're the body of Christ. Now the question to me this morning would have to be, you know, as far-fetched it would be for me to go play professional baseball, it seems even more far-fetched for us to be Jesus for our world. So how in the world is this possible? How can we be the body of Christ? Let's look through the book of Ephesians and get some ideas. Let's go back to this first point that we are filled. The church is filled with Christ. The reason we can be Christ is because Christ has taken over in our bodies. You know, the the cool thing about becoming a Christian is not just that all your sins are washed away, but that you are given the gift which is the Holy Spirit. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit fills us. My my, my favorite definition of the work of the Holy Spirit I heard years ago from a man who said, the Holy Spirit's work in our life is the same it was in the Virgin Mary's life. What was the Holy Spirit's job in Mary's life? It was to create and to form Christ in her. And the reason we can be the body of Jesus, the presence of Jesus in our world, is because the Holy Spirit, Christ, fills us. 
1 Corinthians 3 verse 16 says our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now what we don't pick up in our English translations there is that is a plural you. In the South, we'd have a great way of putting it, wouldn't we? We would translate it, y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Here's the point today. The point is not that each one of us is Jesus on our own. The point is together we become Jesus as the body of Christ. Now, how does that happen? The next point is because we're diverse. He's talking about the diversity of the church here in Ephesians chapter 2 between arch enemies, Jews and Gentiles. And it says Jesus' purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. Here's the amazing thing that happens in the body of Christ. We can be Jesus because we come together as a diverse body. His point here is about Jews and Gentiles. No one could imagine that coming together. But his point later in the book is we all have diverse gifts. Because we have to embrace our diversity is not a bad thing, but a good thing. We, we, we have different gifts and different talents in the Lord. You know, just a few weeks ago, we talked about how we all connect to God differently. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And you see, we can become the body of Christ because one of us is a foot and one of us is a hand and one of us is an eye and one of us is an elbow to nudge the other ones, right? It's all right. Because together... When we come together, we become the body of Christ. Now, here's the deal. When one of us is missing, the body keeps living, but the body is crippled. So our diversity becomes one of the reasons that we can be the body of Christ. And then our unity, our, that we're unified. Look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, make every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's pretty strong verbiage, language there, isn't it? Make every effort. Don't just go halfway. Don't just think about it. Don't just wish it would happen. Make every effort you can to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one Spirit, just as you were all called, to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. How do we become unified? We work at it. How do we become unified? We focus on the big deals, like what Paul has listed here. These are big deal issues, not on the small deals. How do we become unified? I'd say this. It's a miracle. It truly is a miracle. Anytime you're a part of an organization or a church that's unified, you're, you're talking about God doing something special. Well, because even if we were just to poll ourselves here this morning, there is great diversity here in outlooks and some even beliefs and certainly in temperaments and abilities and talents. But it's the unity of the Spirit. And that's what amazes people. Because we know most workplaces are not unified. Most schools are not unified. Most families are not very unified. And when we become that unified place, it speaks something about who we are and what God has done. And then how do we become it? We also have leadership that equips us. Look at Ephesians 4 verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. What's maturity? 
attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The other way we become unified and become the body is that God has given us leaders in the past and leaders in the present that equip us. Guys, while we gather as a church is to become equipped, prepared, empowered to go out and to be Jesus for our world. And then one more verse from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 16. We begin to be the body when we're working together. Verse 16. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. How is this possible? We're filled by the Holy Spirit. How is this possible? We are diverse in our gifting, different parts of the body, all unified, all equipped, and all working together. So there's work to be done. And here's the point I want to make with you this morning. For the body to be healthy, it must be in motion, all right? It's got to be in motion. We understand this about our physical body, don't we? I mean, if all you did was sit around and eat, but you didn't move, what would happen? Some of you say, I've done that this weekend. Well, what's going to happen in the long run? You're just going to balloon up. You're just going to blow it up. You say, well, buddy, I'm going to eat healthy. Even if you eat healthy food and you don't exercise, we know what's going to happen. It's pretty predictable. You know, if you exercise, statistics are that within 48 hours, you would begin to lose muscle mass if you don't use it. We, we, we've learned a lot over the last few decades about the, the, the necessity of the body staying in motion. Let's say, and I know many of you in here have had, had knee surgery. If you had had knee surgery 20 years ago, you'd had knee surgery, they had casted it, they'd said, we want you to keep it as still as possible for as long as possible. But what do you notice about hospitals today? As soon as you've had surgery, what do they have you doing? That gets you up walking. Because we've learned that part of the healing process for the body is the body needs to be used. That the worst thing is to just incapacitate a part of your body and expect that to make it get better. So as painful as it is, they're going to have you up the next day saying, would you take a few steps? We know it's important for the body to be in motion. We even have little devices that help us know. Anybody here have a Fitbit? You, see, you seen those? Let me show you a picture of that up here. Anybody here have one of those? It's okay to raise your hand. Nobody in this audience? Oh, there we go. Okay, now they felt guilty. All right. Now, now what, what, is it, what does it keep up with? How many steps you take? If you wear one of those little deals, what this can tell you by the end of the day is how many steps you took. It's an amazing little device. You can hook it up with all your friends, so you're all comparing every day how many steps you took. And and the goal for most people is if they move at least 10,000 steps, they're in good shape. And and so at the end of every day, you you can keep up with that. Why? Because we know that motion is important. You see, on a Sunday, I get my 10,000 steps in 360, all right? How do you have to think about it? 
So, so you've got to stay in motion to be healthy. We understand that with our physical bodies. It's amazing what they say. You don't have to go be some kind of workout champion. You don't have to be a muscle man. Just walk. Just go up the steps at work instead of taking the elevator. And amazing things can happen. Here's, here's our point today, guys. For the body of Christ to be healthy, we have got to be in motion. You see, what happens if we gather here and we just feed each other? Sunday after Sunday, we come to church, we go to Bible class, we go, and we just, we just take it in and take it in and take it in. Here's what happens, guys. We begin to be bloated and puffed up, Paul would say, with knowledge, and we begin to be unhealthy. It's not healthy for us just to take in knowledge without action. And so today, I want to share with you just some statements I think that would help us as a body of Christ to remember who we are and to get into motion. Here, here's, the first, here's the first statement I'd like to share with you. And let's be reminded of this. The purpose of the church is to be Jesus. All right? That's our purpose. You, you may hear all kinds of debates in your life, whether it's worship or whether it's service or whether it's evangelism or what you name it. That, that's all, all good and all part of it. But if you want the best definition of why the church exists, the church exists to be Jesus in our world. You see, here's the problem, my friends. The problem is when the church doesn't look like Jesus, Okay? The problem is when people see us and go, my goodness, I would not want to be a part of that group of people. There are two ways that so many people look at us as Christians. They look at us as the disappearing people. I think, okay, those are the people that sort of wall themselves off. They don't like what's going on in culture. And so they get with their little group, you know, and they go further and further away. And they have less and less to do with the rest of people. We are the disappearing people. On one hand, that turns people off. They don't get to encounter us, so they don't get to encounter Jesus. On the other hand, many people look at us as simply the disapproving people. We're the people that just wag our finger at everybody else and say, what you're doing is wrong. Guys, we've been called to be more than that. We've called to be engaged in the world as the body of Christ. Now, when Christians do that, it really stands out. Just a couple years ago, in an editorial in USA Today, they had an amazing editorial about a very popular preacher in America, Rick Warren. You've probably heard of him from writing The, the Purpose Driven Life and The Purpose Driven Church. And, and Rick is so popular, but he's mobilized Christians to go across the world and do great works. And USA Today even noticed it and said, you know, as an evangelical Christian, we we're sort of surprised to see this man who's out there, not throwing stones, but out there making a difference. And they asked Rick about that, and here's what he said. The New Testament says the church is the body of Christ, but for the past 100 years, the hands and feet have been amputated, and the church has been simply a mouth, mostly known for what it's against. You see, when, when, when we serve in ways that nobody else serves, it gets people's attention. I'm not talking about the social gospel this morning that you just go out and serve and you never tell anybody about Jesus. I'm talking about serving in such a way that people notice you're like Jesus and they want to be 
like you and they want to know about Jesus. Speaking of newspapers, after Hurricane Katrina in the United Kingdom uh, Guardian, UK Guardian, there was a commentary there about what happened in New Orleans after Katrina. And the commentator was a, a man that was an atheist in England. But he wrote this commentary and said, when I went to America and I watched the devastation in New Orleans, I noticed it was the Christians who showed up first, it was the Christians who worked the hardest, and it was the Christians who left last. And then he said this in his commentary, it ought to be possible to live the Christian life without being a Christian. But then he was honest enough to say this, I have never seen it. And he won't, because we can only be who we are by the feeling of God. So here's our next statement. We exist for the sake of the world. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said his last words, go into all the world. John chapter 20, he says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Our job is to exist for the sake of the world. And yet, let's be real honest about it. 90% of the things that we fight about in church are about what the church can do for us. We fight about what we do together. We don't get fired up about what we could do for the world. And yet, that's why we exist. We're never going to be the body of Christ until we embrace the mission of Christ which Jesus said, the Son of Man did not come to be served. The Son of Man came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we exist for the sake of the world. Next statement, the church gathers to prepare to scatter. That, that's what, guys, too often what we think, guys, is what is happening here this morning is the end all be all. This is where it happens, you know. Guys, th this is awesome and we need to do this. But the purpose of us getting together is not to get together. The purpose of us getting together is to be equipped by each other and by the Word of God to scatter and to be the body of Christ. Jesus said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. We, we've gotten too hyped up on what we call, the Bible doesn't use this term, seekers. And what we're thinking is there are going to be people that are going to come into this building and they're going to seek us. And, and that does happen sometimes. But the call is not for us to wait in our building for seekers. The call is for us to be the seekers seeking the lost. So when you think of the church, what do you think of? A gathered group of people inside a building are the scattered body of Christ serving as his hands, his feet, and his mouth. Listen closely to what I'm about to say. It's too easy as a church to measure our health by our seating capacity instead of our sending capacity. It's not just about us getting numbers in this building. It's about us getting out of this building and into the lives of people in the world. So let me give you one more statement. This is my favorite one of, our, of all. 
Our goal is not to be the best church in our community. Our goal is to be the best church for our community. Can I hear an amen to that? Let's say it again. Our goal is not to be the best church in our community. It's not like, well, let's be the super cool church. Our goal is to be the best church for our community. You see, Jesus used this picture. He said, you guys are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What does salt do? Salt makes food taste better. What does light do? Light allows people to see better. What are we to do? We are to make our world better. You see, what we are to do is because we exist, our community ought to be a better place. The riveting question I've heard asked over the last few years is, is if your church were to, to close down overnight and close its doors, would anybody in the community notice it? Or we make any difference? Well, that's what I love about the heart of this church, and that's what I love about preaching about this, because I'm not preaching to people that aren't convicted about this, that aren't doing this. One of our newest members lately in Landmark 101 said to me, said, you do know, buddy, that Landmark is known as the recovery church in this city. That if you've got a drug addiction problem, that's the place to go. I love that. I love our Barnabas group ministry to people struggling with same-sex attraction. I met with some of them the other day, and, and when one man said to me, you know that's the only church in town that I would feel safe in going to. I think of our hospice care ministry and the difference you're making. I think of our prison ministry that goes into our prisons and teaches the Gospels. I think of all the different things you're done here to equip families where people can say, you know, we, we, can, we can have our families and our children strengthened by being, encountering this church. Right, I think about a ministry that's unsung around here, just our sewing ministry, a group of people that meets on Thursday afternoon. Man, they sew for all the preemie babies in town. They sew for many of the children that are deformed or struggling with different issues in their life. They sew for our servicemen. They're sewing things for homeless people. I mean, it's just a great group of people that meets, that know that it's not about us, it's about helping somebody else. So excited about our new Journey of Hope ministry. This can minister to those suffering with cancer and offer them victory and offer them support. And I could go on and on and on mentioning all the ministries of this church that frankly don't have to do with what goes on here, but have to do with what goes on out there. That's our calling, right? We want to be the best church for our community. We don't want to just... Because it's not enough for us to curse our culture. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn people, I came to save people. It's not enough for us just to curse our culture. We've got to be actively involved in blessing the community that we live in. And this morning, I want to honor a ministry among us that is the highlight of what this church has done. And that's what we call Compassion 21. All right? Uh, originally, it was called the inner city ministry. That's what most of us still call it. But do you realize, if you're new to this church, that 20 years ago, just recently, they celebrated their 20th anniversary. This was started by the vision of Ken Kilpatrick, who was the minister of this church and the elders of this church, of wanting to do something to get out of these walls and into the community. And for 20 years, it has done amazing things. 
And I look across this audience, and many, many of you have been a part of it. And, and the cool thing is, like any ministry in any church, it evolves. It changes its approaches, and, and I'll tell you, there's some really, really exciting things going on. But it's been one of the most faithful areas of this church. And it's, it's one of the easiest areas for us to get out of ourselves and to get into our community. Now, I, I want you just to, to be reminded of what this does for people. And I, I've invited Virginia Stovall, Stovall, if she would come up here with me. And I just want to talk to her a moment about this. Ms. Virginia, if you'd come up and just take one of these seats. Oh, no, her microphone dropped off. Brother Evans to the rescue. Let's see if we can't get that fixed. I know Virginia's really nervous about being here. So could you guys give her a hand and sort of calm her down? <laughs> Nothing like the microphone falling off, is there? No. Uh, Virginia, welcome to Landmark. We're Thank so, you. so thankful that you're here. Um, we want to sort of go back to... Is that still okay? <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd rather yeah. stand up, you can. I think I'll stand. Okay, you stand up. All right. <laughs> we want you comfortable. Uh, tell us, uh, Virginia, first of all, how you met the people from Compassion 21. And when, when was that? It was about back in, I said, 1994, 95. Well, I'm, I'm confused. But anyhow, I was living out in a in, um, community called Toronto Court. And um, it was inner city ministry then. Okay. And um, Ken and um, Jonathan, all of them came out. Uh, uh, you know, sharing the word of Christ and trying to uh, bring the laws, which was me, I was lost, to bring us to know about Jesus, to know a man that who can help, a man that who can give you life back. I let, I'm just going on, so let me tell my story. Tell your story. Tell, tell them let where me you tell were when you met story. these guys. I'm a recovering addict. Addicted, I was addicted to crack. Um, let me picture this in your life. Let me give you this right here. Let me tell you this. Picture me in an abandoned, an abandoned house, no electricity, filth, no heat, cold, trying to put a crack pot to my mouth. Picture me in a setting that all different kind of people coming in. Picture me leaving my children, two boys, at home alone just to go do drugs. Picture me losing my family, losing my relationship with my children. But God he looked down. He seen me. And he sent inner city into, the, into that community to help bring me out of there. Brother Ken peeped my little secret. I thought I had this little secret of no one knowing what I was doing. But Brother Ken did. And that's what brought me out of darkness. 
then that would make me had to take Christ into me. I had to let God come into me, work in me. That's when I had to surrender myself to him and all for him to work in me. But inner city stayed behind me the whole time. The whole time through my addiction, they was there for me. They gave me hope. They gave me faith. They encouraged me. They gave me, they believed in me. Not merely just believe in me. They believed in me that they put it into action. You can have belief, but if you don't take that belief and put it to action, it doesn't matter. But they stayed behind me 100%. All the way. I remember one time I had been out doing drugs and Brother Ken and Miss Jan came to my house. My body was beginning to shut down because I had did cracks all that week. And I finally had came home and it made me sick because I wasn't eating, I wasn't drinking, had anything to eat and nothing to drink. And they came there, knelt by my bed, gave me love. And once that love transformed me into what I am now, someone that believed in me, someone that cared enough to help me. They cared enough to help me. And through God's grace and mercy that I'm standing here now. And all because a group of people were boldly, bold enough to go into a community and to bring God's love to someone that was lost, and that was me. Amen. Wow, what a beautiful testimony. to you all that are working out in, in the community in different projects please please don't stop don't give up because there is somebody another me out there might not be addicted to drugs but it is in need of your love, in need of encouragement I, just a smile so if you go out, and out in the community Please don't fear. Don't have fear. Let me ask, let me ask you that, Ms. Reed, in just a second, because let's just get the bottom line. A lot of these people sitting out here going, okay, that's, that's really neat, but I'm afraid to go to Trinum Corps. I'm afraid to go to Gibbs Village. What would you say to someone that's afraid to go down there? If you're afraid, you got God's perfect love. And God's perfect love rests all fears. When you go out there, you go out there with a smile. And you go out there because you want to. Not because you just want to tag along. You go out there because this is what you want. This is what your heart, this is what you want deep down inside. You go out there because you want to make a difference. And you can make a difference. And when you go out there, let's smile. And because when if they sense fear in you, they're going to target you. But you go out there boldly, smiling. And one of the things you never do, if you see a group of people and you're walking down this, the sidewalk and they are standing there, don't ever cross over to the other side. Mm. You just walk. How you doing? Having a good day? Just smile at them. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing with us. This is awesome.
Now, if all of us would reach in our bulletin, uh, uh, there's a little greenish sheet here. Maybe it's green for all of you. It says body in motion at the top. And it describes some of the ministries of Compassion 21 that we want to get involved in. And one thing I'm really excited about is uh, what we're going to try to do in this coming year is, is to really focus our energies in, in one place. We, we've been really good as a church of doing things all across our city. And that, that's awesome. But we want to go to a place where we can build relationships. We can love people like Sister Virginia is talking about. And so our chosen place is Gibbs Village. And you can read about that here. It's a large housing project with an east and a west side. And there's an awful lot to do there. And what we'd like to do is start, you know, there's a learning center there, which has been, many of you probably haven't been involved in Compassion 21 for a long time. It used to be a bus ministry of bringing people out to our buildings. But the city has now said, if you'll use the community centers right here in the middle of these places, you can use them anytime you want. So God has opened an incredible door that's really a lot more effective. And so every Monday night, we have a group of people in Gibbs Village who are teaching the children, teaching adults, teaching teenagers. What we'd like to be able to say is that Landmark will just take Gibbs Village as our project. That they will, some of the other churches can go to some other areas that are, that are still needing someone because we're just going to embrace this housing project as ours. So on the bottom, there's a little tear-off. And um, there's, there's just a few different ways that you could volunteer. One way is by being a mentor. And, and obviously that's probably one of the most powerful things that can happen long term. Is that we take a child and you volunteer for a year to take them under your wings. That, that would do an awful lot of good. You also could volunteer to go to that learning center. The learning centers run September to May. And there's lots of different ways you could be used. You might feel comfortable being a teacher. Maybe you can't be a teacher, but you could be a helper. Or maybe you've, you know, you're going to be the security person to make sure everything's going right. But you could volunteer for any three of those things on Monday nights. We've had people that have been doing this for years and years that need some help. And we can expand what we're doing and actually do it better if we get enough volunteers. And then a lot of you serve in what's called the Benevolent Center. On Tuesday of every week, food is given out to the poor. It's a beautiful thing to go be a part of. Our staff goes down there every other month and gets to serve in that. And not only do we get to just meet lots, you know, normally about 200 people from the community, but we also get to see a lot of you in action. Many of you are faithful, a part of that. And that might be a way, especially for some of you retired, for you to serve. Now, we have another blank here, another place you could mark, which is a small group special activity at Gibbs Village. Listen closely to me. What we like to do is employ all of our life groups, our ABC groups, and be in the body in motion. And if just once a month we could have a special activity where you might go down on a Saturday or maybe a Sunday afternoon and, and play play ball with the kids or, or have a cookout or a giveaway, just something. There's, there's a, a list of creative ideas. We don't have to get into that right now. But if, if, if you're in a small group this morning, and especially some of your leaders, and you'd be interested, again, some of our small groups, we can become so self-focused where this is a great opportunity for us to get out and for your small group to serve together. And you can be extremely creative when and where and how you do that. But here's what we'd like you to do. 
We'd like you right now, if you would, to take this little tear off. You can see it tears off from the, the bottom of the sheet. And just, if you feel called to be a part of this, just mark one of these boxes and you'll be, you'll be uh, contacted about how we can plug you in. You won't, you won't be blindly put into this. You'll be trained. You'll know what to do. But today, especially if we could get the volunteers from mentors and teachers and helpers and small groups to go help, I think what would be so beautiful is that we will have a community to focus our efforts on. We look across the city sometimes and we shake our heads and go, well, how would you change things? There's too much. This is a perfect opportunity of us to say, you know, we may not be able to change everything, but, but here's, here's a lot of people that we could build relationships because in the long run, that's what's going to happen through the food and through the service and through the teaching and through the special projects that we build relationships in such a way that we can make a big, big difference. We're also going to have some people from Compassion 21 back in the lobby today that you could ask other questions to. I want to ask, um, I want to ask Ken Kilpatrick if he'd come up here. Uh, Becky Bagwell. Becky's been working this for years and years and years. The Bagwell family, like many of you, have been involved from the very first day involved in inner city. Just recently, one of our, our members, David Knowles, has gone to work and can be working with inner. David, would you come up here? And also a young lady named Autumn who works. There's three baskets. There's one basket over here. And what I'm going to have them do in just a moment is I'm going to have them stand just around front. Autumn, if you come on down. Is David in here? I'm not seeing David right now. All right, Brother Bob, you're going to have to come take David's place. Okay, you guys just sort of scatter across the front here. And uh, we're about to sing a song, our, what we traditionally call our invitation song. But if you want to know more about this, then even if you've worked in this in the past and you're just recommitting yourself, then would you bring this little slip up here and just put it in one of these baskets? That's all you got to do. And the rest will be taken care of. You see, guys, we want to be the body of Christ in motion. And we don't have to sit here and think, oh, what would I do? Where would I go? We have a ministry that's had a legacy of 20 years. We have a testimony in front of us of the difference that that can make. I, I love the story of after World War II, you probably heard me tell it, of a little boy that was outside a donut shop and World War II had just decimated London and hardly anybody had food. But American serviceman had walked into the donut shop and he had bought him a bunch of donuts, you know, and he, he looked out while he was getting his donuts at the, the window and this little boy, this blackened with smut, you know, is just, just pressed his face against the donuts, just drooling, wanting something. And the serviceman says, you know, I can, I can at least do something. So he buys a dozen donuts and he walks outside and he pats a little boy on the back and he hands them those donuts. And the man says later, I'll never forget what the little boy said to me. He looked up at me and he said, sir, are you Jesus? And then the man said, no, no, I'm not Jesus. I'm just a part of his body. And guys, together... We can be identified, sometimes shockingly, as the body of Jesus Christ. This can take us getting in motion. And today, for those of you who feel called, those of you who want to know more information, just come up here and drop your little card in one of these baskets. And, and for some of the rest of you, if today you need some special prayers, 
If today you'd like to become a part of a church like this and you want to let that be known, if today you need to recommit yourself, you've been taking it in, you've been learning, and you've been enjoying all the blessings of being a part of a big church, but, but honestly, you're not in motion. And it's hurting you spiritually. Let's pray together today before we leave this place. Let's all stand together and sing.